Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me is Sam Ivanecki. How's it going, man? Uh, it's always going good, Ben. How are you doing? Uh, not bad. It's been a uh, busy few weeks. Um, we just got the uh, regional start list. Um, came out, I think, on we're recording today on Monday. Um, so we've been trying to go through that as well as we can. Apologies if we miss something or uh, incorrectly state something. We've been looking at these throughout the day, trying to get a handle on um, all the regional results that are going to be coming through. And so today we're going to be kind of looking at uh, doing a regional preview um, and, and kind of talking about some of our favorite races that we're looking forward to um, and kind of getting ready for this postseason. I, I mean, uh, Sam, how, I didn't even really talk to you. How, how did you feel about the uh, conference weekend of results? before we get going on regionals conference weekend is always interesting because you have a bunch of athletes you know doubling and tripling and so it's hard to say you know like is it a good weekend is it a bad weekend you know in some cases i want to put a lot of stock into it in other cases it's like just throw it out the window so you know it was a good weekend and a lot of exciting action i don't know how much it tells us going into regionals and nationals but you know more track is always better yes yep and so I, I think, um, correct me if, wrong, if I'm wrong, Sam, but all, all the regional races are going to be broadcast. Um, I, I think the West is on maybe ESPN Plus, and I think the East might be. Uh, I'm not sure how it's being broadcast, but I, I think there will be a stream for that. Um, so it'll be interesting to be able to watch all the action this week. Um, but before we get going, I uh, wanted to give a shout to the Apple Podcast five-star review of the week. Uh, we're up to 115 ratings and reviews. Uh, and Sam, I, I don't know if you have a comment on this, but someone, um, when Garrett and I did the last conference, uh, recap episode, they said, we are missing three conference meets in your latest podcast episode. You guys forgot to talk about big sky OVC and Missouri Valley conference champs and big things went down at these three meets. I mean, Sam, if we want to turn this into an OVC podcast review episode, I am, I am more than happy to talk about the OVC where I was at, uh, competing last week. You know, I almost take offense to this. I'm sitting here wearing my SDSU shirt and no one mentioned the Summit League. I mean, you know, <laughs> marquee conference, not quite power five, but I mean, it's it's up there. So, and yeah, I mean, you won the OVC 1500. So I think someone's got to talk about that, right? Yeah, it, uh, it, it was a good weekend. And the OVC, I think, um, like you feel about the Summit, I think is a little bit of an underrated conference. And, and there's certainly a lot going on in Big Sky, obviously, with NAU and in Southern Utah, there was a lot of good uh, results coming out of there. But as we'll find out today, you can't talk about everything and every person and every result. So uh, appreciate the review and the five stars. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get to more conferences next time. But Sam, why don't we jump into this regional preview? Um, and I, we just have a few, I have a few questions here. Um, and we can kind of go back and forth and um, talk about maybe some women's races on your side if you want to talk about uh, mention a few of those and then I'll maybe mention a few men's races and we can kind of go back and forth um, with our uh, certain expertises um, but the first question I had hardest race to qualify for the NCAA so on the women's side either east west 800 through 10k what race do you think is going to be most difficult to qualify for for nationals in Eugene I always want to say something like the 10K just because, you know, it's it's hard to run a 10K. But when you look at the women's 800 in the West region, 
the depth is just ridiculous. So, you know, you've got your top end that's pretty fast. Aaliyah Miller's running that two flat, and you've got a couple other women up there who have run 202, 203. But once you get to the 10th spot, anywhere from 10th down to 43rd is between, have run 205 to 207, which means that realistically, pretty much all of these women are going to be in contention for those later spots to make NCAAs. Now, I don't know, you know, if you want to say hardest is in like the time is ridiculously fast. Maybe that's not true. But I just think this event is so deep that there's going to be so many women fighting out for those last final spots. And then, you know, it's an 800. So anything can happen. And there's always some sort of chaos. Yeah, when I was doing my regional predictions, that was one of the most difficult ones to look at because you're just looking at this huge group from like 204 to 206. And I'm like, how, how am I supposed to differentiate between all these 800 women without that are within a second and a half of each other? And there, there's like probably a few clear favorites. But after that, I mean, you're the, the last six spots feel like could go to 12 to 20 people. Right. And I mean, you look at those people who have run 205, 206. Some of them have run faster indoors before. Mm-hmm. Some of them have done better in previous seasons. So it's really hard to say, you know, what are they capable of and you know are they going to make a big jump now or are they going to suddenly fall off and so you know with the 800 being the 800 i mean carly thomas is 16th at 205 and she was one of the best runners indoors before she had that horrific injury so you know is thomas a contender to make nationals maybe i don't know yeah she was actually someone i wanted to talk to you about because i i think she's a good example of of how how much weight should we put on these conference championship results i I don't know how how you go about it but i I mean one of the things that i look at to kind of do some tiebreakers is how well did they fare in maybe a more tactical setting at their conference championships obviously you mentioned at the top you don't know if people are doubling and how that can affect um their performance and, and if they just did a prelim right before or whatever but Thomas didn't do great at Pac-12s, um, which I was a little surprised about. Um, I think she might have finished seventh and ran 207 or something like that. And I I was having a tough time deciding if I should put her in my predictions because obviously she has the talent to run two flat, 201, like she did indoors a few years ago. But I, I don't know how much of that is there right now. Yeah, I, I don't love it. I think... You know, when you look at people coming off of their conference weekends, if you're on a mediocre race, it's more or less, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter. If you run a really bad race, that's concerning because, you know, trending in the wrong direction. And a lot of times people coming off of PRs, I'm kind of in the opposite where it's like, okay, I have a lot of confidence in them. And I think some of that is just, you know, you see people coming off of that good form. It just mentally puts them on another level. And it really boosts them heading into something like this, especially when you consider most conference weekends are typically multiple rounds as well. So, you know, with Thomas, I don't love it. I think she has an outside chance, but just because she's coming off of that injury, there hasn't been a lot of consistency with her. It's going to be a stretch for her to make it. Okay. Yeah. I, and I kind of agree. I, I, I think I have her in as my last person in right now, but I, I might have to go in a different direction. It, it's just going to be it's it's going to be a tough one to make. I think, like you mentioned, so so for me on the men's side, looking at the hardest race to qualify in for nationals, I'm kind of looking in two places, and, and you can kind of maybe 
point me in one direction or other. The first is the West Region uh, 3K steeplechase. Now, I was going through all of these, trying to make these predictions, and this was extraordinarily hard. Um, we got alumni, um, one, someone from your alumnus, um, South Dakota State, Joshua Yeager, um, who, who is certainly capable, I think, of qualifying for NCAAs. But I, I think there's like this field goes 15, 20 deep in really good um, candidates. I mean, at the top, you have guys like Ryan Smeaton, Garrett Marsing, Duncan Hamilton. I, the, I mean, the list goes on. I, at the back end of my regional qualifiers, I have guys like Clayson Shumway and David too. Like I, these guys are really, really good. And I think in almost any other year, they would be nearly locks to qualify. But I, I think the steeple is going to be just a complete bloodbath. And we could see some really fast times run because guys in the first heat or two are going to really need those uh, time qualifiers if they miss out on the top three. Yeah, when you look at both the East and the West, it just seems like there's a huge slew of guys between 840 and 850. And that's mm -hmm. really, I mean, that's where we're going to see those spots won and lost. I'm curious, you know, we've seen a lot of guys run pretty fast this year, and I don't know if anyone's distinguished themselves as the favorite. Do you have anybody in either the East or the West for the men that you think is really going to make a statement race in the regional meet and kind of come out as that favorite for NCAAs? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and it's interesting because normally we see a lot of really fast evil times at regionals, but and we still might. But we saw a lot of them at at conferences this past week or past week and, and garrett and i talked about that how it's kind of uh two weeks early uh, earlier than what we would expect for me i i'm not really sure if we're gonna see anybody really pull away from the the field and really establish themselves as a favorite i i think if you're looking for someone to possibly do that it'd be ahmed uh jazri from eastern kentucky He's down to uh, he he doesn't have the top time in the country anymore after Fitzam Sam uh, won ACCs, but I think in a really good field um, at regionals, maybe he throws down something really fast, beats beats the rest of the East field, and really solidifies himself as a favorite because right now it looks very muddied. Um, I mean, Smeaton and Jazzy were two guys that we had had circled for a while uh, as favorites, but right now with Sam, uh, Miley, Alex Miley of Duke, and a lot of the other ACC and Pac-12 uh, runners running really fast, it, it's really hard to say. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those races where the time in the heats is really going to matter. You know, some races we see people focus on just getting that top mm -hmm. three or whatever they need to qualify. The steeple, you can't really take chances this year. And I'm interested too, because there's a lot of guys that seem like big names on paper someone like aiden tucker sitting back there emmanuel right. chebison who you know you'd expect them to be up there and they're not and so it's like just one of these guys make a big jump right they you know the steeple this year to me it seems like i haven't seen a lot of like really deep collegiate races i usually see you know some of the top collegiate guys kind of inserted into some of these different like mixed pro college fields mm -hmm. But I think the regional meet will be really exciting because we're really going to see that true depth of what the NCAA has. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, frankly, we haven't seen a, a ton of like elite steeplechases across the country, honestly. I, I mean, whether it's pro or collegiate where there's really deep fields. So I, I think that's a good point. And then um, and we'll talk probably more about this, r these races later. But I mean, 
the men's 1500 in, in both regions is ridiculous. Um, someone like Wes Porter at, out of the East from Virginia who ran incredibly well at ACC's. I, I don't know if he's going to make uh, the at nationals coming out of the East because you look at the list and, and it's incredibly deep with sub 340 guys and guys who are really experienced like Yair Nagus, Waleed Suleiman, Casey Comer, um, and who ha- who are running really well right now. Um, it's going to be, I think the 1500 in the East and the West are going to be extraordinarily hard to get out of this year. Yeah, not to mention you got the OVC champ sitting there in 21st <laughs> for the East. So, I mean, you can make some noise, Ben. I'm expecting you to kind of mix it up the front of the pack there. Hey, yeah, well, I- I'd love to make it to Friday, and then, hey, you never know, so... That, that'll be the goal. Um, well, why don't we go on to the next question? Um, what race are you most interested in watching this weekend? And we can start with a, a woman's pick here. Yeah, so kind of sticking with the West region right now, I really think the steeplechase for the women is going to be interesting. Right now, you've got 17 women who have gone under 10 minutes, and the 18th is sitting at 10 flat. That is incredibly fast. And a handful of those women are not going to qualify for NCAAs this year. I'm really interested to see kind of how that back half plays out. If we see anybody who might be an actual contender kind of break through, you know, you've got your people like Courtney Wayman, Anetta Konachek, even Katie Rainsberger, which is weird mm-hmm. to say in the steeplechase. <laughs> I think a lot of them, you know, we, we expect them to more or less cruise through it. They'll do what they're going to do and they're going to be really good. Other people, though, like Charlotte Pruce is in 14th. And I would expect her to realistically be a favorite. I mean, she's finished runner up at this event before. So, you know, is it just she's kind of been hanging out, got a regional qualifier and now is really going to throw down a performance. But yeah, with just that many women under the 10 minute barrier, I think the women's steeple in the West region is definitely going to be one to watch. Yeah, and that was another one I was having a hard time doing predictions on. Um, but like we mentioned earlier with the steeplechase, it's not normally run tactically at a regional championship. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like you mentioned, Charlotte Prowse runs a really quick time because that's just going to be the how the race is run. People are going to be pushing the pace from the start more than likely, and you're going to have to run either a season best or a PR to qualify in a lot of cases for a lot of these women. Um uh, on the men's side, I think the race, one of the races I'm most interested in watching, and it's not necessarily because of who's going to be qualifying for nationals or not. I'm looking at the top end of this uh, men's 800 field on the west side, and I'm just really curious to see who takes um, some of the wins in some of these heats um, because we haven't really gotten to see Brandon Miller go up against some of the top um guys from the west coast whether it's isaiah Jouette, charlie hunter luis peralta festus legat of iowa state i'm curious to see if we get any of these head-to-head matchups between like miller or any of these top guys um because i think miller has turned into one of the best 800 runners in the country obviously his 145 to win secs really really put him on the map as an ncaa contender and now I'm kind of just curious to see how he goes against guys that are outside the SEC, like Hunter, like Duet, and who takes the win there if they are matched up in the same heat in their finals. And if that tells us a little bit more about the NCAA picture there. Yeah, the other interesting thing with this field, too, is I really want to see who stands out tactically, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
you know, all of these guys can run really fast, and we've seen that. And barring any kind of weird circumstance, they're probably not going to go try to completely light up the track at the regional meet. But I really want to see which guy can run controlled races, play the tactics right, and consistently look good, because I think that's going to be, you know, how you win a national title. It's not running really fast in the regional meet per se, but it's being able to put those moves together and then kind of show up. You know, we've got all these guys in that 145 to 146 range. So the talent pool is pretty similar. Who's going to be able to execute those tactics though in multiple rounds and really show up when it counts. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a good point. And I think Miller again is someone that has done exceedingly well in championship style races, whether it was winning SECs indoors um, or winning it outdoors as well. And I think he'll be certainly one to watch. And I think also in that regard, Charlie Hunter, who has not looked quite as strong this outdoor season, if he can do what you're saying, look smooth and controlled and run tactically strong races, then, I mean, maybe we're getting the Charlie Hunter that we saw that won the NCAA championship indoors this year. And now he's just peaking at the right time to win another NCAA championship. I think we could learn a lot about him. I obviously we expect him to qualify without an issue, but if he looks really good doing it, I, I think that bodes really well. Maybe kind of flipping the Carly Thomas question on you, since this is the men's field. How do you feel about Devin Dixon sitting back there in 27th? I, I don't think he's going to make it. Like I, I, I think I, it was good to see him do run well in prelims um, at SECs, but honestly, I, I the way I see him his weekend playing out is very similar to how SECs went, where I think he'll make it to the second round. I think he, he'll he'll run well enough. But I, I wonder if the, the fitness, whether I don't know if it was injury or whatever, that he doesn't have a big enough base to bounce back and have that second big 800. Now, he does have a, he'll have a day off in between, and maybe that helps him a little bit um, and possibly pushes him towards a final, to doing well at the finals to qualify for NCAAs. But I, I just don't know. I don't think he's quite where he was, and he doesn't have that top end like time. Whether it's a one forty six, one forty seven, that makes me feel really good about his chances. Yeah, I'd love to see him make it, but you know, it's always interesting when you see those big names back in the rankings and kind of have to do that double dig of like, wait yeah. a minute, how did they get there? <laughs> yeah, no, and that's a good one to point out. All right, next up, hardest race to predict. So. Maybe we can talk about hardest, like top 12 that is going to go to nationals. How, like, in terms of what race do you find, or are you finding the most difficult to predict in that respect? Yeah, I kind of hit on this earlier with that women's 800. So maybe not to double down there. I think the women's 5K in the East is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got Chilanga and Haynes, who are arguably the favorites couple other women up there like Steelman, Wasserman that are going to be solid bets and barring any disaster they're going. But then again, you look at, you know, from eighth down to right around the 25th mark, you've got a bunch of women between 1540 and 16 flat. And, you know, 20 seconds sounds like a lot until you consider it's a 5k. There's going to be a number of women who are doubling back from different events Mm -hmm. and you don't, you know, it's getting hot outside that's going to take some attrition to some degree. I don't have any really solid faith, I guess, in a lot of these women, not to say that they won't make it, but it's really hard to be overly confident in any of them, just because there's so many women there that are going to be really good. 
but none of them have really run that standout performance like those top, you know, four or five names. I mean, looking at this group, Camelli is sitting there in 14th, and you would think she's a lock, but she's going to be coming back from the steeplechase. Mm-hmm. Caitlin Tui sitting at 10th. She seems very solid, but again, she's young. And she's coming back from the 15, right? Right. And I mean, like Erica Vanderland, I would expect to be someone who's up there, and she's only sitting at 18th, but we've seen her run really well in cross country how that translates now once she's gotten her first kind of experience with outdoors i'm not sure there's just a bunch of big names in there and even just a lot of women who have run really fast times this year that i think could easily you know you get a couple seconds here a couple seconds there and suddenly this list is just completely flipped yeah no i agree and i i was having a really tough time predicting this one i i think there there's women like dominique claremont and savannah shaw from nc state who I think are just like almost right on the bubble. And and that's crazy, especially considering Claremont, obviously she had that fantastic cross country season. Um, But when I was going through the predictions, I'm like, I I think she should make it, but I had like 10 or 11 other names that I felt a little bit more comfortable with. Um, And and I think that's just a testament to how many women have run under that 16 minute barrier this year. And there's just a glut of names from that 1545 to 1555 range that, it's it's going to be tough to to like even if you've run 1550 this year it's going to be tough for you to make it out to nationals yeah and just you know being a 5k there's so many things that could go wrong where at least for me you know the personal experience of running 5ks (laughs) you know you have a bad day and something just feels off when you start it can easily get in your head and so i could see you know things like that could derail a couple people and suddenly you know you've got names dropping way back so just with the nature of the event and how close a bunch of these women are, it's definitely going to be one of those fields where I want to see how it all plays out. Yeah. And, and so my, my answer is a, a very similar one for the men's side. I think the, the men's East 5k was extraordinarily hard to predict um, for a lot of the same reasons. I, I think there is a, a maybe different than the women's. I think there's probably like eight or nine locks in my opinion. I think Zach Faccioni, uh, Kyoko, Mechpiece, Keen, Brandt, Kiprock, Beetlescum, Bedard, and Ratcliffe. I, I kind of am writing in in almost pen, but that those last three to four spots, I was having a really hard time with. I think you could look at guys like Dylan Jacobs, Thomas Ratcliffe, Aaron Bienenfeld, uh, Baldwin Magnuson, Kyle Mao. I mean, there is a lot of guys that are talented. Um, like Kyle Mao is someone who we've kind of kind of same vein as Devin Dixon. You kind of look at the start list and you're like, oh, wow, he's kind of that far down. That's surprising. Um, he's obviously had great success at NCAA championships before. Um, guys like Ben Veach, Ian Shanklin. I, I mean, these guys are veterans who have had a lot of success on the grass, on the track. And yet I... I was having a tough time including them just because I think they're such a good front group in the 5k on the east side that it left so few spots and, and those last few spots I really have no idea who's going to get those. This 5k is just incredibly deep. It's I hadn't looked at the result or like the names for it too much before you mentioned it. But yeah, seeing guys like Ben Veach, even Alex Masai would expect yeah. to be, you know, closer to that top 10 with especially how he finished that cross country season. It does make me wonder if someone like him would 
try to almost not time trial this per se, but just rip it from the gun and see what happens because, you know, maybe that's his best chance really. I never picture him as a kicker. Um, but yeah, there's just so many names on this back half where it's, you know, we know these guys have at one point been very capable of making regional meet or national meets. It's a question now of like who shows up on the start line when this meet rolls up. Absolutely. Yeah. And besides another great name, he was a, a really hard for me to figure out whether or not I wanted to put him in there. Um, Wake Forest has a bunch of young and up and coming guys that are really interesting um charlotte has nicholas scudder who i really like but i i wasn't able to figure out a place for him um ahmed muhammad of florida state who's had great success at at boise state previously i I mean it is just i I mean obviously we've talked about this you and i off air before with the the how the impact of shoes has really been seen the the super spikes um and we're seeing a lot of these really quick times and, and that's contributing i think to the reason why we had such quick regional qualifying times but the the names in general here are all very strong veteran performers and i I think that's probably a product of having uh, an extra covid season for a lot of people are having that sixth year and you're seeing a lot of veterans stick around um but i i think it's the, the 5k depending on how people bounce back from if they're doing the 10k 5k double if they're coming in fresh I think we could see a lot of surprise results out of this race. The other thing to consider too, is that, you know, you mentioned COVID some of these schools, not necessarily the bigger ones, but some of the smaller ones haven't traveled as much as maybe they normally would to some of the bigger meets they'd normally compete at where, you know, these guys might be running fast times and winning their heats, but they're not necessarily reaching their ceiling just because the level of competition might not be there. So there might be some of these guys that are kind of sitting in that 24th to 48th that while on paper don't look necessarily fantastic could be a surprise to us. And that really goes for all of these events across the board is that there might be names from some smaller schools that really pop out once they actually get this competition. And that's a good point. And I'm, I'm of a little bit of two minds on that because I think it's good that there's potential there for an even faster, maybe PR for a lot of these guys. But I also worry that lacking that race experience of being in a field with guys who are just as good, if not better than you, can kind of come back and bite you a little bit at a regional championship where you're used to so much room in front of you or you're you're just racing to time trial, essentially. But now that you're racing to win or there's it's a little bit of a slower, more tactical race, I, it, without that experience, it's hard for me to necessarily say how some of these guys will react to that. Definitely. It, it'll be interesting to see kind of who shows up and what some of these big names that haven't done as well this year do once, you know, competition actually really matters. Yeah. Absolutely. So why don't we move on? So which low seed? So we're, we're saying that as someone who was ranked outside of the top 24 in their event, do you see qualifying for nationals? All right. So I have two that I think at least are solid bets to be in the conversation. Okay. So both come from women's 10Ks, one from the East and one from the West. On the East side, I've got Paige Hofstede of North Carolina We've seen her run really well during cross country. She was an All-American. She's put up fast performances before, both with UNC and when she was at Georgetown. 
And I don't think this outdoor season has really been kind of marquee from what we've seen from her. She's sitting at 25th right now, but at the same time, you know, she's only 20, 25 seconds out of kind of that 10 to 12 range. Mm-hmm. And with the 10K, you know, you get locked in, you get into that group, and all of a sudden you're there and you can make things happen. And I think especially with the regional meet, it's a lot easier to do that rather than a kind of pure time trial race. On the west side, I'd say, not to plug SDSU too much, but <laughs> Leah Hansen's sitting at 34th. She's a freshman, so, you know, little inexperienced, but she's run 34.03, which she soloed at the Drake Relays and just blew away the competition. I mean, she was on her own for close to the last, I don't know, five or ten laps. I mean, she was just there, nobody else. I want to see her in a race where she's got somebody to chase because I think she can run much faster than she has run. I don't know if that'll get her necessarily the nationals, but I think it at least could put her in the conversation. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. Um, I I'm curious if, um, obviously with the times being a little bit more condensed this year or faster in general, if we're, do you think we're going to see more un, or quote unquote underdogs qualify this year? I mean, it was a big reason why there was a very big push for uh, 48, people to qualify for each event after they the ncaa had decided originally to only have 32 people qualify um i I think that um we could see more people from the bottom 24 qualify just because of how fast they've run across uh, to people have run across the board yeah and i think this almost comes back to to a little bit what we were just talking about where like you know some of these smaller schools sdsu being one of them Mm -hmm. um they just don't have those opportunities to necessarily get themselves into those really competitive meets. And so while they might be sitting back, you know, you've got this combination of condensed times, obviously 10 Ks and five Ks tend to be a little bit less predictable once the weather turns hotter. And then just being in kind of a different style race than necessarily chasing a regional qualifier. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw at least a higher percentage of kind of small school or mid-major athletes break into those qualifying spots. I think the top spots and the people winning the heats will probably still be kind of your marquee favorites and your bigger name schools. But once you get looking into that kind of like eighth through 12th spots, I think it might get a little bit more mixed up. Yeah, no, and I agree. So on the, on the men's side, I have one that's kind of cheating. Um, I have Cole Sprout out of the West in the 5K. He's currently ranked 25th uh, with 1343. He's run incredibly well um, throughout his freshman campaign, whether it's on the grass or on the track. And, and I, I think I like him to qualify out of the 5K. Um, as for a little bit more maybe of a long shot, uh, Dustin Nading of Washington uh, transferred in this year or this past, or maybe it was last year. Um and is 34th in the West, running 343, um, coming from lower divisions and being very successful on the national stage there. I, I, I kind of like his ability to run through rounds, even if he hasn't run particularly quick. And, and he struggled a little bit at Pac-12s, but I, I think he's someone to keep an eye on in the 1500. I think, like we've been talking about, I think if you're going to see guys qualify from that back half, it's going to be in events like the 800 or maybe the 1500, where a lot of these athletes are separated by a second or two, whether they're in the top 20 or whether you're in the bottom 20. Um, and, and I think someone like him, 
could have a good performance at a regionals and maybe sneak his way in there. That said, it is extremely hard to get into that top 12 in the 15 out of the West. And I, I mean, I'm, I have no idea if he'll be able to do quite be able to pull it off. Yeah. I think with both the 5k and the 10k for the men on the West side, the one interesting thing to me is that these races could really play out two ways, right? If we Mm -hmm. see guys, I mean, the top end of these races are very, very capable guys who have run like world-class times. Yeah. So if they want to go time trial it or at least rip it apart from the beginning just to make sure that they're through, that could make the second half or like the back half of these runners kind of play out a lot differently than, say, a race that goes out more tactically. And I think, you know, in the 5K, you've seen Kip 2 run like that. He rarely runs conservatively. So, you know, does that change how this race plays out for someone like sprout or are we still going to see maybe kip two and a couple other guys go and then you know the rest of that kind of pack bunches up trying to get those qualifying spots yeah i mean based off of the way kip two's run all year i would be shocked if he didn't try to just pedal to the metal and i guess the real question will be what does the rest of the pack do um in his in the 10k or in his 5k he do they go with him or, or do they do kind of a race within the race and just get gobble up those other qualifying spots and just say, Hey, he's going to get one. Just let him do that. And, and or are we going to see someone be like, all right, I got a pacer. Let's just go along for the ride and, and, and see if we can get a spot this way. So it was back in, I can't remember if it was 2017 or 2018, but in the West region 10 K when Robert Brandt was still at UCLA, he took the 10, I think it was the 10 guy, just took it out from the gun, like well ahead of the field. You know, he's got hundred meter lead at least. And I remember him just trying to essentially time try to get away from everybody. Eventually he got caught and then managed to still earn a spot out of oh, that dang. pack. And that's just kind of the thing that comes to mind every time is, you know, if it's that going to happen with someone like Kip to probably not, but you know, it's an interesting tactic that seems to work sometimes both ways. Yeah, yeah, and it's certainly for people who maybe don't trust their kick quite as much. I think it's a and have run a good time. I think it's a good tactic for some people. Um, but let's finish up with this last question: What event could we see some favorites not qualify in? So, guys or girls that we had kind of penciled in the top ten, top twelve in their event all year. Could, what event do you think we're going to see some of the biggest upsets and, and some people drop really far far out of the picture? This is a tough one, and my gut is not necessarily someone that maybe comes off as a favorite. So Katie Izzo is sitting at 10th mm-hmm. in the 5K and 14th in the 10K. I wouldn't consider her a favorite in either event by any means, but I also think that Izzo has a bunch of name recognition, especially with how well we've seen her run realistically she should make it in the 5k i mean she's run 1541 and she's run substantially faster indoors before i am not confident in the slightest of her making ncaa's in either event this year yeah i did i did not predict her in the 5k and the 10k i think i might have had her but that i i was on the fence there i i mean i i think what we're going to see, and I think my answer on the men's side is, I just think we're, there's going to be some huge names in the 1500 in the East and West that are not, aren't going to even make it to Friday. Like we're going to see some people 
that we thought were almost not necessarily all American locks, but like all American contenders that aren't going to make it to Friday and might and won't make it absolutely to NCAAs because the competition is going to be so good. We've seen a lot of guys just time trial races in a lot of sense where they're just running for PRs and in a tactical race where maybe some people aren't going to be quite as comfortable. I, I think we're going to see some 338, 339 uh, guys just not make it to nationals, which is something that we hardly ever see. Um, and if we do, it's only one or two every year. But I, I think we are going to see several people that we really thought had the potential to be all Americans, not qualify in the 1500s on the East and West. I think you probably say that about the women's side. There's a lot of really good names in there that might not make it just because of the overwhelming depth. Yeah. Speaking of the 1500, I don't love Danae rivers sitting at number nine in the East, which is amazing because Danae rivers at one point was like the marquee miler in the NCAA. Mm -hmm. And if I had to pick one way or another, she's not making NCAAs this year. Wow. She hasn't been consistent enough for me to be confident in her making it through multiple rounds of a race. If it was, you know, just a you win and you're in kind of thing, maybe. I, I think she's capable of it. But she just has not put up the consistency we've seen in years past where I think she can navigate multiple rounds and get through to that final. Yeah, and I mean, I, I have her in, but... I think I have some of those same concerns. So I, I think that's definitely a valid um, worry to have about her. I mean, obviously at her top end, she's as good as anybody. Um, but we haven't quite seen that consistently throughout the year. Um, well, Sam, why don't we wrap it there? I, I think um, we're, we're obviously going to have our regional predictions put out on the site soon. So keep an eye out on that. Um, but let us know if, if you have any other questions. Hit us up on uh Twitter or whatever um, about regionals before we get going. I mean, we're only two days away from the start of the men's uh, regional championship. Women start on Thursday. It's going to be a wild ride. I, I'm really excited to not only uh, compete in it, but also to watch all the results come in and see what upsets come because every year, I mean, this, it's May Madness and we're going to have some people that uh, are unexpectedly moving on and some people that are unexpectedly ending their season a little bit earlier, and it'll be fascinating to watch. Definitely. It should be some of the most exciting track we've seen all year, and good luck to you in that 1500. You know that TSR is pulling for you. Absolutely. I always appreciate the support. Well, until next time, Sam, I'll talk to you. Have a good one, Ben.